came into this world as a baby, born in a barn, laid in a manger. That Jesus, the man from Galilee, that healed the sick, brought hope to many people in His ministry on earth. And that Jesus, who at a young age was a sacrifice for you and I. That Jesus who was led up the hill of Golgotha, mocked, spit upon. That man who had that crown of thorns socked upon his head, the blood was running. That man who, they took a long piece of wood and put another piece up here, fastened it, it's called the cross. That man who was laid on that piece of wood, on that cross of wood, with the crown on his head of thorns piercing into his skull, into his head, the blood running down. He gave himself. He laid out his arms. There was nails put through his hands into that wood. His feet were crossed. There was nails put through his feet into that wood. And I don't know how those horrible crucifixions went, but it it is likely that the cross wasn't let gently into the hole that was prepared for it. Not a pretty picture, but one that I think we should remember more than we do. In a week from now, we're looking forward to celebrating communion, where we remember what Jesus did for us, where we remember how He suffered. And we celebrate the bread and the wine We celebrate His life and His suffering, what He did for us. And as is customary, before council service, we usually have a time of examination of ourselves. And that is the title for this morning's message is Examination. We'll be looking at a few scriptures um, and asking a lot of questions, not necessarily giving the answers. The questions are for you to ask yourself, answer yourself, and um, evaluate where you stand in your own lives. I have three definitions for the word examination here this morning. The first one is the act of examining, inspection, inquiry, or investigation. Second one is the state of being examined. And the third one is the act or process of testing pupils, candidates, etc., as by questions. There's three examples or three um, things that we're familiar with where examination, where exams are used in our lives or in, in, in the lives of those that we know. The first one is the example of the, the school student. If you think of the school students, think of back when, when I went to school, those, older, those of us that are older, think back when we went to school, and to the school children now, think of going to school now and the tests that you take, the exams that you take, why, what's, what's the purpose of the examination, what's the point of an examination. And for school children, it's to see what we, one of the things is to see what we've learned. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. I'll be reading the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5. It is a um, part of the, the passage of Scripture that we know as the, 
Beatitudes, a part of the Sermon on the Mount, a part of the, I believe it's the longest message that we have recorded that Jesus preached. And I'll be reading the first 12 verses here and then comparing the Beatitude with its clashing worldly value and just putting the question out there, asking the question, um, how is it with us? How, do we, how are we doing in the, in, the, in the Beatitudes where Jesus said, Blessed are you if you have these. Beginning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the weak, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. There's seven, eight, eight, I believe it is, Beatitudes here. The first one is humility. And it's clashing worldly value is pride and personal independence. How is it with us today? We look at humility and we look at pride and personal independence. If you evaluate your life, where do you come out there? The second one is mourning. The worldly value that clashes with mourning is happiness at all costs. Where do we find ourselves today? Do we find ourselves walking through life from day to day? Seeking happiness at all costs. In the society we live in today, it's very easy for us to do that. Or do we, do we soberly seek to follow the teaching of Christ? Meekness and lowliness. And you don't have to look around you very far in life to see people governed by the clashing worldly value of power towards meekness and lowliness. And even for us as Christians, if we're not, if we don't keep ourselves in constant check, we tend to, we tend to come to the point where we're, we're looking where power fits us better. The old man likes the power. The beatitude is meekness and lowliness. Where do we find ourselves with that? Justice and goodness. Or pursuing personal needs? Do we seek to, do we strive to treat our brethren justly with goodness that they don't deserve, deserve? Or do we, do we put our own personal needs ahead of our brother, our brethren? Kindness and mercy, and a lot of these are similar. Um, but I think when, when Jesus mentioned these things, some of them were maybe rather repetitious. But we need them. 
We, we need to be reminded in many ways of his character. Kindness and mercy and the clashing worldly value is strength without feeling. There you have that, that strength or that power that we as human beings like to, we like to display that. Kindness and mercy or strength without feeling. Hearts that are pure or deception is acceptable. What is our character like? What is our integrity like? Peace or personal peace is pursued without concern for the world's chaos. And the last one is faithfulness. We as Christians, are we faithful? Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. Are we faithful in the, in the, in the face of of turmoil in the face of persecution, in the face of things that don't go our way, in the face of being treated unfairly, are we faithful to Christ? Or are we only committed in a weak manner that doesn't last through the, the hard things in life? So that is that is a um, that is one way we can test ourselves. We look at the Beatitudes and we look at the opposite of the Beatitudes. We ask ourselves those questions where are we? How are we doing? Another way that we test, that we can test ourselves or that we're familiar with testing is the college student. Now the college student goes to college, takes classes with a looking forward to getting a diploma to be able to acquire a certain occupation. We, the college student usually goes to, like a doctor will go to school to be a doctor. And in the process of going to school, they go through examinations. They go through um, tests to see what they've learned. And if they're good enough after a number of years, depending what you're studying for, for how long you, you need to test yourself. But after a number of years, you get your diploma and you're able to go be a doctor. Now, for, to, to draw the comparison to that, to us today, to Christians, I would like to think of that, that as a, a two-part responsibility there. The, the, the second part is going to be God's. Ultimately, as Christians, we're striving toward a, an end, the end goal in sight for us is heaven. We're striving to make it to heaven. So at the end, God is going, we are going to come under God's judgment. He is going to give, He is going to be the ultimate tester. He's going to test our lives to see whether we can make it or not. But the other part of that responsibility is we need to evaluate our lives as we live. As we live our life out, we need to evaluate it and bring it under the teaching of Christ. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. This chapter is broken into two sections. I'll be looking more at the last section, but just to... A prelude kind of to the last section is the first section where he speaks of the title in my Bible is given God's great blessings to his people. Um, he speaks of a very, he speaks of the privileges that we enjoy in life. I'm going to read the first 12 verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was, with, which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. So we have here Peter writing here and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy, mercy has, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's laying out here what we have been given in the plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. So the first 12 verses there is, 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 a, is a description of what, be, what we've been giving. And then verse 13. Now the title of this part of the chapter is A Call to Holy Living. And as we, as we read across this, as we look at this, I want us to ask ourselves, how, how, how are we doing? We've been called to a life of holiness. How, how are we doing on our journey here? On our journey through this, through this life in comparison to what we are taught in the, from the inspired Word of God. Verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that it is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as a flower of grass." The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. 
And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Looking at verse 13, he starts in with a wherefore. Notice that word. First part of the chapter, you people are blessed people. You have received according to his abundant mercy, the plan of salvation. Verse 13, wherefore, gets your attention. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Back in the times when the Bible was written, it is, it is believed or accepted that they wore long clothing. Girding up the loins of your mind. It's the idea of getting yourself ready. Pick up your long robes that you're wearing, tie them up and get ready to go. And he's talking about your mind here. How you think. Be intentional. How are we doing? Are we, are we being intentional with the way we think? Are we sober, hoping to the end for Christ? How are we, you get the idea here, he's saying, care about what you're doing. How do you find yourself? If you put yourself to the, if you examine yourself and your ambitions in life, do you care about the cause of Christ? Do you care about your life and, and, and how it, how you're serving God? Do you care enough to, to be serious about it? Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought on you, unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you think about, if, 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 you're, if you care about something in life, something you're excited about, something you're, maybe something new you're trying, or something that you really care about, and it's, it's a hobby and you want to prove to yourself that you can do it, or to somebody else that you can do it, you put a lot of time and effort and, 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 um, you put, you put a lot of, you do what it takes to get that done. So the idea of caring about something, girding up your loins, caring about something, applying yourself. Verse 14, as obedient children. And he makes the comparison here, as obedient children and how you were before you were obedient. How are we living today? Are we living as obedient children? Or are we living as disobedient in the former lusts in your ignorance in the end of verse 14? How is it with our lives today? Are we, are we living after the inspired Word of God, the teaching of Jesus Christ and the inspired Word of God, the teachings that we receive there? Number 16 and 17, he gets into being holy like Jesus. Because it is written, Be ye holy... For I am holy. The last part of verse 15, verse 15 and 16. The last part of verse 15. He says, in all manner of conversation. He speaks of your mind and your mouth. In verse 13, your mind. In, in, verse, in verse 15, your mouth. Um, touching the things that we use pretty much every waking moment of our lives. Um, 
If we have those two in where they need to be, the rest of the rest of us will follow. So consider consider what you think, consider what you say. Verse 18 he speaks of how we are redeemed. And I think there again, he's bringing that out. He's bringing out the point. He, he mentions the fact that you're not redeemed by money. It's different from back then. The people were familiar with the redemption of a slave. If a slave was bought from by someone from someone for money and set free, it was the use of money. But this is not this is not how it was back then. This is not how that was. You were redeemed not with money. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Jesus. Thinking about caring about how we live. You go back to that picture of Jesus hanging on the cross and the suffering that Jesus went through because of his enormous unfailing love that he displayed there for us as humans that's how we were bought that's why it's important for us to be careful how we live to be serious about our 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 life our life and following Christ verse 20 and 21 it speaks more of Christ of of God's sacrifice Jesus sacrifice who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And how he was raised up. The cross was not the end. Jesus was raised up. Jesus was raised up to finish the work that he was, that, that he, that he, that God used him for. To provide the plan of salvation for us. And it is for that reason that we live our lives for him today. And then verse 22, he, he kind of flips it over into a part of our lives today that we find so hard to, to live out. I mean, we want to say, he speaks of loving the brother. We want to say, yeah, but Peter, you don't understand who I'm living with today. Or you don't understand these people that, these people that, that affect my life today. Verse, verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. He touches on how we need to look at the people around us. It doesn't say if they love you. It doesn't say if they're nice to you. It doesn't say if you get along with them. It says, love the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. The idea of loving with a pure heart, I don't think we can do it outside of the, outside of the, the power of Jesus Christ in our hearts. Outside of God directing, our, directing us with His Spirit, I don't think we can do it. Because we are... We're born a carnal man. We need the new birth. We need the power of Christ in our hearts. How is it with us today? We look at verse 22, loving one another with a pure heart. 
with the same kind of love that Jesus had. Jesus had the kind of love that He went to the cross for us for. And um, in order for Him to do that, there was, I just, I, I don't see how there could be any any looking out for himself anymore. He laid himself out there and and gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice. The last two verses bring out the importance of why we should live that way. For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof fadeth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Peter goes on in, 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 his, in his letter here and laying out more things that we need to not do, more things that, and, and how to live. But I just think he, has, he, he lays it out so good in the first chapter here of in, in steps. Um, love each other. And then the last part, why? Because life is short. We're just like the grass. I mean, you can look out the window today and you see the grass from this summer. It's, it's going into hibernation pretty fast. It's dead for the summer. That's how we are. Our lives here are, are, are for but a moment. The third and last example that I would like to look at is, is more, of, it's more taken from my, my personal life and my personal work. You look at examination, and I just had to think, what do I, how in my life, what do I examine? And as a truck driver, you are taught to, each morning when you go to work, and each evening when you come home, for that matter, you do a, a, a pre-trip or post-trip or pre-trip inspection. You walk around the truck, and you make sure the lights work. You make sure the tires have air in. You make sure the bolts are all tight and the wheels falling off. There's no, there's nothing broken that's almost falling off that will, that will, that's a potential for safety hazard. You do all this, why? You do this because of safety. The state is concerned with the trucks out there on the road that we operate in a safe manner. Turn with me to Psalm chapter one, Psalms, the 139th Psalm. Psalm 139. Now, when I, in my occupation, in the driving of a truck, I am not, the truck is not able to inspect itself. That is, that is my part. And I would like to think of us as, us as the machine this morning and God as the inspector. We need to allow God to speak into our lives. When we go to examining ourselves, it is, it is, it is through tinted lens, if you will, when we look at ourselves. We like to justify how we do things and, and how and and how why we don't do some things in life but when we allow God to look at us when we allow when we put ourselves up next to the word of God and seek after God in his spirit he can show us where we need to live and another an, another aspect of of examination can be our parents or our brothers and sisters around us the people that live around us they can speak into our lives Sometimes we need outside examinations to, to see some things that, we, that, that are wrong with us. My truck can't 
tell me when there's when there's something going wrong that needs to be fixed to keep it from getting better. Well, I guess there's one thing. One thing it does, if there's a headlight out, it, can, it tells me that there's a headlight out. But if there's a wheel falling off, until I feel the vibration, it's probably too late at that point. My truck doesn't necessarily tell me that. We can't tell ourselves. We don't always see ourselves. We need to open ourselves up to, to the direction of Christ. I'm going to read chapter, Psalm 139 at this point, and I have a few comments on that. Verse 1 of Psalm 139. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which is in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies." Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. I challenge us this week as we look forward to having communion on Sunday and sharing what God has done for us on Wednesday to keep in mind that picture of Jesus in full-out suffering hanging on the cross as we consider our lives and where we have gone. One of the hard, one of the hardest things for us as humans, at least for me, is to admit that I was wrong, to go back and say, okay, I was wrong, and ask for forgiveness. It's one of the hardest things we find ourselves doing that I find myself, I need to do. But we're human, that happens. And my, my challenge on the other side of that is when someone does confess a wrong, is to not judge that person. It's not our it's not our place to judge, but we do that as 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 humans. We do that as well. But when you think about what Christ has done for us, going through the humility of admitting that we were wrong, in an effort to embedder ourselves to follow Christ better, it looks different. After what God went through for us. After what God went, after Jesus went through what He did for us, it looks different when we keep Jesus, when, when Jesus is the focal point in our lives. 
So I challenge you with the last two verses of that chapter I just read. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We serve a God that can. We serve a God that will. He just needs willing people. Let's kneel for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we come before you this noon hour. We thank you this day for blessing us today with this opportunity that we like this to gather here, to look at your word. And we just pray that you would go with us this week as we look in our lives, as we examine ourselves, as we look at the direction we're headed, as we look at the things in our lives that we do or don't do that need to be changed. I pray for strength for each one. And I pray as we as we strive together here to keep your light, the light of your love burning, that you would give us the, the strength and the power. I ask these favors and blessings in your name according to your will.